0: Okay, so today we want to continue in our uh, study of the book of Acts, and uh, where we left off was in the middle of chapter twenty of um, Paul uh, giving uh, his uh, message to the elders of Ephesus. And uh, last uh, time we were talking about in the, the earlier part of this, the earlier part of this chapter, uh, where. Um, when he leaves Ephesus, that uh, he doesn't stop teaching. He doesn't stop mentoring. He doesn't stop di- discipling, is what we were talking about the last time, about how he visits places that he had been and he's teaching them for periods of time. Uh, and then we read a, an episode, as Luke often does for us. He gives us an anecdotal story that epitomizes what's going on. And this one is where Paul is uh, teaching uh uh, on uh, the beginning of uh, the first day of the week, and he goes late, he goes till midnight, and a young man uh, falls asleep, right? So, hey, it happens to the best of us, right? There you go. Uh, a young man falls asleep, th- throws, falls out of like a third-story window. Uh, Paul comes and lays on top of him, and he's revived. And you'd think, wow, that's enough for one night. I mean, you know, Let's get something to eat and go to bed, or something. No, he goes right back to it until dawn, uh, and uh, uh, and so we talked about the single-mindedness uh, of um, you know of of Paul and all of that, uh, and then uh, he you know then we uh, saw how he wants to get to Jerusalem before Shavuot, uh, and uh, but he's torn because he feels like he needs to give an admonition. He had been three years in Ephesus, and he had raised up elders, first and foremost, who is Timothy, by the way, uh, and that he feels he needs to speak to them, but but he doesn't have time to go back to Ephesus, so he asks them to meet him uh, uh, on on his way to uh, uh, Jerusalem. And the second part of chapter 20 is this uh, message that he gives. It's a very important message. It's so important that uh, I think that uh, if you read uh, uh, 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus, you know, they're called the pastoral letters, right? Uh, That uh, it's very helpful to read these like five or six verses (laughs) uh, at the end of uh, chapter 20, uh, because he's really speaking... What he does in First and Second Timothy and Titus is ele- he elaborates on these few verses, basically, is what he's doing when he writes those letters. And you, we really learn a lot. Not only that, but I think in all of his letters, I, you have the seed of the, the thinking in these uh, verses because they're really uh, his message to elders everywhere, you, you know, not only in Ephesus, but everywhere. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, everybody is in the leadership pipeline on some level, you know, and we should all uh, think of ourselves as, uh, you, you know, uh, moving forward, you know, in, in that way. And so a, a message to elders is really a message to everybody, you know, uh, and so very important. So we looked at the beginning of it where Paul basically talks about himself, right, uh, where uh, he says uh, here, just to recap uh, the, uh, this part of the letter, he says, um, in, beginning in verse 18, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears. You know, that is, uh, I could pause there and go, go off on that. With humility and tears, and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, the the the, the trials was you know the uh, the persecution. The humility and tears was the day in day out living with these people, uh, you know, and experiencing uh, life with them. I uh, you know there is a passage we didn't look at this last time. I, but we'll look at it this time. In uh, in First Thessalonians, we read here in the uh, in the second chapter, uh, beginning in uh, verse uh, nine. Yeah, he says, "For you now he's so he's right into the Thessalonians, not the Ephesians." But you see this issue of you know uh, humility and tears. He says, "For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship." How working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behaved toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each of you as a father would his own children, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of of the God who calls you into uh, his own kingdom and glory. So it wasn't like, uh, okay, nine o'clock, I'll show up. Five o'clock, I'll go home. Uh, you know, you are all uh, our clients. Uh, and, uh, and that's the end of the story. Uh, but like he was treating them like a father would children, that kind of love and that kind of exhorting. And if if you are a father and you've had children, you know that there's humility and tears uh, that goes along with that big time, uh, and uh, you know you don't just mail it in, so to speak, right? And uh, and so Paul was not mailing it in. He took it very personally. He took this work very personally. He loved uh, these people, and uh, so it struck me in rereading it this week. This issue of humility and tears. But then he goes on here in um, First uh, uh, Thessalonians. And he says this uh, in chapter two, not only exhorting as a father, but in verse seven, oh, I started a little bit too uh, early there. In verse seven of chapter two, he says, but we pour, we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children, having thus a fond affection for you we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. So, I mean, that really tells you something, uh, you know, when you ponder those words. So from verse 7, actually, to verse uh, 11, he's saying, we were like parents to you. We were like a mother and a father uh, 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 to you, like a nursing mother And an exhorting father. You know, we were, in other words, we were hugging you and we were imploring you all at the same time, right? And that shows the kind of love and devotion and how he poured himself into, uh, you know, into these people. Uh, And uh, that's just one. There's lots of other places that, you know, we could look. But when you come back here to chapter 20 uh, and you see, Uh, when he just says serving the Lord with humility and tears, right? And by the way, serving the Lord, he was serving them, but he's, you know, he's serving the Lord, of course. Okay. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was, I, I, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Messiah Yeshua. Right? This is what we do. This is what he did. This is when we talked about this last time. And now, behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds of affliction await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Yeshua to testify solemnly of the good news of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose uh, of God. And that's where we ended last time. Now, he gives them an admonition. So he's said all of this about himself, not to glorify himself, but may I suggest, as a role model for these elders, that it wasn't only him who was supposed to pour himself into these people, but all spiritual leaders, all elders, or all leaders. So now, in verse 29... Uh, and uh, for the next uh, three or four verses, this is the main admonition. This is what he wants to impart to them here. He says, Be on guard for yourselves, and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the congregation, the Kehilat of God, which he purchased with his own blood, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will rise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, now, he see, he repeats it. Be on the alert, remembering that night and day, for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Notice he mentions the tears again, uh, right? And each one, uh, that uh, this was not just showing up for uh, teaching a class, right? That this was mentoring people. This was pouring himself into people's lives. One can only wonder how many cups of coffee he had, okay? Uh, all right, so we'll stop there. Okay, so he begins here. With be on guard, uh, be on guard for uh, yourselves, okay? This is very important that uh, when he says, uh, you know, uh, be on guard, uh, he begins with for yourself, right? Now, this should sound a little uh, familiar uh, to us. You know, uh, to be on guard... Uh, it means to, uh, you know, be alert. Uh, it means to pay attention to yourself, to be watchful, to be in a state of readiness, to be alert, you know, to be on guard and to be alert. Very, very uh, similar, similar words. Now, again, remember I said, you know, when you read First and Second Timothy, uh, this is very helpful because there's a, a verse in First uh, Timothy uh, chapter 4, in verse sixteen, or shall I say, Second Timothy? No, wait a minute. What they, do I do? have it. Oh yes, yes. I was in the wrong place. First Timothy four sixteen. Okay, I have it underlined in you know in my Bible. He says, "Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure deliverance or salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you." Pay close attention to yourself. Here in chapter twenty, he, uh, you know, he says, "Be on guard for yourselves." Why do we have to? Why does he say this? Right? Because I, uh, you, you know, if you're going to serve as an elder, if you're going to be able to pour yourself into people's lives, pay attention to your own life. Pay attention to your own. Walk with God and your own uh, 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 ability to serve, right? I, in our Wednesday morning uh, men's uh, Bible study, I don't remember. Oh, oh, we were in uh, Hebrews chapter thirteen, uh, and uh, and this came up, uh, and uh, we made the statement that you you can't fill anybody up if your tank is empty, right? Uh, you can only go on fumes and smoke and mirrors for so long, right? Uh, and so, anyone who has any kind of spiritual responsibility for other people, which is actually every single one of us, uh, right, has a responsibility to be filled up. Has a responsibility to make sure that we we do our best to you know confess our sins and be cleansed, to be in the Word uh, ourselves, right? Uh, and uh, and may I suggest to take care of ourselves, meaning. Also, our physical bodies to be able to serve, Uh, you you know, and and that's very, very important. And because, one, we're, you know, we're role models uh, for people. And I will say that again about everyone. If you're out there in the world working or wherever you may be, and you are a Messiah follower, you're a role model of Yeshua, of what? Uh, followers of Messiah are supposed to be. It's not just on Shabbat here, right? But the, the truth is, is that it should be our way of life. Uh, whether we are here or we're at home or we're by ourselves or what it, wherever it may be. And so he says, be on guard for yourselves. How many well-meaning uh, men and women uh, of faith uh, who have some kind of a leadership role, have uh, ended up walking too close to the edge or too empty and fall over. And what we all need to recognize is that we're part of something much larger than ourselves. And it's not just about me. And that if I mess up, other people get messed up. And, uh, and so important for elders, so important for shamashim, uh, anybody in leadership but again I will emphasize for all of us how important it is uh, to guard to be on guard for yourselves and you know when you read especially first and second Timothy Paul is all over Timothy about him taking care of him not only in that verse but when you read second Timothy he encourages him he's you know giving him a pep talk Uh, 2 Timothy is really the locker room speech, Uh, you you know, Uh, because it can be discouraging. That'll come up in a minute here. Okay. And then he says, for all the flock, and for all the flock, for all the flock. Okay. Well, he does give a qualifier, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Okay. Now, when he says for all the flock, he's talking to the elders of Ephesus. So he doesn't mean all the flock that are in Thessalonica and all the flock that's in Rome and uh, and all the flock everywhere. He's ref- he means the people who are under your charge, okay? I and and that is important when we when you really think of, about it, okay? All the flock whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He's made them overseers over the congregation at Ephesus. Okay, so all the flock is, is really a kind of interesting. You know, not just the flock. Because all the flock means, uh, you know, the flock that's, the flock that's fun and the flock that's not fun. Okay? The, the, the flock that always just keeps moving forward and the ones who you have to, whoa! You know? You know, come on down, come on back, right? I uh, and uh, and that's, you know, uh, you know, very, very important, uh, uh, I think, for us uh, here that uh, there's all kinds of uh, there's all kinds of a sheep. Right. Uh, and so very important uh, for us to recognize that. Right. That um, uh, uh, we're called to uh, make sure uh, when we think about you know, uh, the uh, the flock, that means, and as he says, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the congregation of God, which he, per- which he per- purchased uh, in his uh, own uh, blood. Okay, so we're called to be shepherds. And I think most of us uh, have heard of that before, right? We're called to shepherd the sheep. And so overseer, notice that overseer, Guardian, protector, shepherd, the terms are used interchangeably of the same people, okay? Uh, And uh, and so when we think about uh, the role of uh, elders, the role of elders is to be shepherd, uh, to be overseer, to protect, to rule, and to foster care is a good way uh, to say it. And of course, uh, you can uh, go online or you can read all kinds of books about all of the applications of shepherding uh, and all that. But we'll just say that in the big picture, it's making sure uh, that people are safe, making sure that they are fed, uh, that they are healthy, uh, and that they are moving forward uh, in the right uh, direction. Uh, in the right direction, right? All right. Uh, and and uh, so, of course, we know that the, uh, the idea of being a shepherd is what we read that God is, right? Uh, that he is the shepherd. And so uh, elders and spiritual leaders are under shepherds, you know, and, uh, and serve uh, the Lord. So, you know, uh, Psalm 23, God is the good shepherd, right? Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. And there's all kinds of, you know, of uh, applications of that. But they all come under the heading of shepherd, uh, of being, uh, being, uh, being protected, being guided, being well cared for, uh, making sure you reach the destiny, that you don't get lost, uh you know uh and uh, and all of that right uh in luke in the uh new covenant scriptures in luke chapter 15 uh we, there's a great little story uh about what a shepherd does what a good shepherd does that uh, he has a 100 sheep 99 of them are walking the straight and narrow road one of them is off somewhere He goes and he gets the lost sheep and he carries them back, right? Uh, And so this caring for all of the sheep. You know, some sheep uh, uh, have, uh, uh, you know, have views that, uh, well, let's just say we have left sheep and right sheep and we have middle of the road sheep and, you know, we have all kinds of sheep. We have sheep that love to go off on tangents. We have sheep that, that never make a peep, right? Uh, we have uh, all kinds of sheep. And oftentimes the sheep, when they're looking at each other, say, I don't, I don't really think you're the right kind of sheep, right? Well, you see, the shepherd is like, whoa, everybody, whoa, like, you know? Uh, and and it, it reminds me so much of Yeshua and the 12 apostles. Those were 12 sheep right there, okay, that really were all over the place. You know, they were all over the place. My favorite, too, by the way, is Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax gatherer, because they represent polarized political views in the first century, okay? Uh, And once they came under the kingship of Messiah, all of that, like, melted. Like, if you you know, the picture I get in my mind, they were, like, frozen in those views. They were frozen. And they come under the kingship of, of God in Yeshua, and then it like melts. And now they're pliable. And now they're, they're moldable and shapeable and come together. And those uh, artificial boundaries melt away. See? Uh, and, uh, and so very important to understand, you know, this issue of going after the sheep. And uh, you know that in, uh, in the Gospel of John, uh, in the tenth chapter, I mean, Yeshua is the the prototype elder, right? Uh, and of course, he is called the good uh, the good shepherd. We read uh, uh, we read here, uh, beginning in uh, I'll just say down in verse uh, uh, eight. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture, right? Uh, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays, the, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He is a, He who is a hireling and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep, beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the shepherd. And I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. Uh, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. So he talks about being the good shepherd a few times. He talks about laying down his life a few times. He talks about that he's committed. See, Paul was a good shepherd, right? The way we've described him, like parents, like a father uh, and a mother, he was not a hireling. A hireling is a guy that, you know, puts in the time. Uh, That's not what a good shepherd is. Uh, is. And of course, I, we know that, uh, you know, Yeshua, by the way, in, in Hebrews chapter 13, Yeshua is called the great shepherd, the great shepherd, right? In verse 20. And what does he uh, say in John chapter 21 in verses 16 and 17? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep. So one of the things that tells, one of the things that tells is the sheep always belong to God. You know, the sheep always belong to God. Uh, and that anyone who is called a pastor or shepherd, which is just another word for shepherd, right, is accountable to God for overseeing the sheep. Okay? It's really very important. And something that we tend to forget uh, is that uh, any spiritual leader is accountable to God for the whole thing, for the oversight, for the protection, for the teaching. You know, there's an accountability. Uh, uh, to uh, uh, to to God, uh, very very important, uh, and of course um, you know in First Peter uh, chapter five. Let's read this little part here. There we go. Actually, beginning in verse one. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Messiah, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. In other words, what he's saying there is, is that, you know, when you're an elder, as we'll see in a second, it's not a job. It's not like a, it's not like just like a, a vocation. It's just who you are. It's who you are. It's just, you know, uh, that's why it's a calling, and that's why back in uh, chapter twenty of Acts, uh, he says, "Who ca- wh- whom the Holy Spirit called to uh, be overseers." So it's not like uh, just uh, well, this looks like a good thing to do, you know. A long time ago, many many years ago, uh, when I uh, was before I was a Beth Messiah, and I was you know working for a, a mission organization, right? I remember in the earliest days that it was like, you know, who would want to work for this organization? People that basically they knew the Lord, they loved the Lord, but they really couldn't do, mu- they they really could not like hold down another job, right? So I figured, well, I can do ministry because I can't do it, you know, I, you know, and uh, uh, But that's you know, you, you know, see, that's not what it is. It's a calling on your life. That is why, in order to do this, in order to do it this way, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, like because I I have to, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and according to the will of God, uh, or actually according to God, literally in the text, text, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. And then it says, not, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples uh, uh, to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of, uh, glory. What a great passage, right? Uh, and so, uh, that is why, uh, so important, uh, in looking for a congregational leader or raising up, uh, people to be leaders, right? It's a calling because you won't last otherwise. You don't last. Something happens. Either you crack, you know, or you go off on some tangent. And I can tell you, in 40 years, I have seen it personally, up close. And like all of us, I've seen it, you know, in the, in, head, in newspaper headlines, right? And what it does. Uh, and so that's why it, it's a calling, and you have to guard yourself, <laughs> you know? Very, very important, okay? Uh, and again, voluntarily, uh, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. I think I've told this, sto- I probably have told this story, but I'll tell it again because I'm standing. here. Uh, and, uh, and that is uh, that ma- uh, many years ago, when I just was starting, and I was living in Chicago. Um, uh, I was sitting on a stoop in front of our building and I was talking to a young lady and, uh, and I said, I made the statement that I, I'll bet everybody wishes they were doing what I'm doing. Can you believe I said that? I would never say that today. You know, you, you evolve over time, right? You grow over time. Uh, and she said to me, she was about my age, you know, 23, 24 years old. She said, are you kidding me? Why would anybody want to do that? You know, I mean, I'll wait. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, why would anybody want to do that? People, people reject you. People uh, don't understand you. Uh, this, that, and the other thing. And uh, that was mostly in terms of like outreach, outreach uh, work. But also it applies to, to all of it. Uh, because when it's a calling, it's just sort of your, your, your life. Uh, and so that's what he's saying. He's reminding these elders. Uh, in Ephesus, you know, uh, of this and when it says none is yet lording it over those allotted to you but proving to be examples in other words you live it out and that and that motivates people to live a certain way you teach it you preach it you live it as best as you can i mean no one is no one is the chief shepherd but one right uh, and and not just simply look here's what you b- here's the here's the list okay do this all right no it's you're inculcating something. You're pouring yourselves into into someone uh, and motivating them by you know by by modeling uh, behavior uh, and actions and, and teaching and oh and, and all of all of that, right? Okay, so now getting back here to Acts. All right, one second here. Okay. Okay, so he says, be on guard for yourselves and all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the Kihilah of God that he purchased with his own blood. And so a big motivator is to recognize that the sheep, again, belong to God. The sheep belong to God. That that he purchased the sheep with his own blood, including the elders here, right? And that uh, they belong to him first and foremost, and there, you know, it's very much like like the parable, like the par, the several different parables of responsibility that Yeshua tells, you know, where he either owns a vineyard or he owns a farm or whatever it is, and he goes away and he comes back and he expects the stewards to take care of things, to either grow them, to take care of them. Uh, you know, one is about not worrying about your wages, don't worry about the next guy. But they all kind of have this theme of accountability and responsibility. And uh, and, and they all really apply uh, because uh, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons that, that uh, elders are responsible before God for the congregation is because God is saying, okay, so what did you do with my sheep? You know, what did you do with my sheep? Now the sheep do have responsibility, right? Uh, and uh, and that's you know very 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 important. It's you know that uh, everybody has a role. We all will stand stand uh, before the Lord, right, in the judgment seat of Messiah. We all will stand at the judgment seat of Messiah. But uh, overseers, elders uh, uh, have like an extra day. Uh, you know, at the uh, judgment seat of the sun. It's like extra time. Get extra time, right? The movie's a little longer, right? Uh, in a certain respect. Right? It's not just about my walk with God. Right? Okay. So uh, then he says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them so you know it's not only just uh make sure that you're doing the right teaching make sure that you're you know positively uh, doing all the right things but there's a negative side of of protection and guarding against bad influences right uh and that well, you know it was true then it's true now that wolves come from both outside and inside. Outside, it, it, may I suggest, in our world, the wolves are more like, uh, generally speaking, could could be like you know culture and and patterns of thought and living that that infiltrate, and that we have to be careful about allowing in, no matter how popular it may be. You know, uh, sometimes there are these spiritual fads. Uh, you know really hear so much about that anymore but boy back in like the 1990s and early 2000s there were all kinds of spiritual fads coming in like there was one big one coming in from Canada right uh, I uh, like from the Toronto airport well, anyway but uh, uh, and other places if you, if you know what I'm talking about if you go back in time that all oh, we have to be this- oh this is what's going on this-, you know uh, you got to be careful about these things And then sometimes people come. We have had people come here that have other agendas. Usually, it's about correcting us, which we're real thankful for, you know, okay? Now, we are open to change. I mean, we're open to learning new ways of doing things. but uh, sometimes people come in with strange doctrine, thinking that, this is usually the thinking, okay, we're not the church, right? because they're all bad right So that Beth Messiah they're they're like first century you know Well may I suggest uh, as I have said to many people if you stick around long enough if, having said what you just said about everybody else, my guess is is that you really will not like us because after a while you'll see th- just you know things you don't like okay uh, and we are far from having it all figured out uh, believe me. Uh, 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 and so sometimes people come in with all kinds of things about um, many different kinds of issues. And you know what's really a wonderful thing here is that our people, all everybody, not just elders or even leaders, but like when we have the owning and we have like people that visit and things like that, and somebody gets into a conversation Like the antennas go up, you know what I mean? And it's like, I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, you know, Howard, this person is visiting. There's something not right. There's something there. And they're almost always right, (laughs) you know? Uh, And it's a spiritual thing. Uh, And uh, now I will say that 99% of the time when people come and visit, it's all good. (laughs) But sometimes people come with another agenda that's why it's important for us to know who we are by the way that's important for our leadership to know who we are who we are what our mission is what we're trying to accomplish making disciples for Messiah not every single thing that that's out there we could spin the wheel uh, and find all the you know all the uh, things that God has called us to be and do uh, right and God bless everybody who who has a calling for uh, you know, for a variety of, uh, of ministries and things. But this is, you know, what God has uh, called us to do. And, you know, there are places in the scriptures that warn us about this. I, for example, even like when, he, when we say wolves from without and wolves from within, you know, um, it's one thing to, um, it's one thing to um, you know, say I don't agree with everything, it's another thing to undermine uh, un- undermine the congregation, undermine the leadership, like form a little group out in the corner. And, uh, you know, that's what they're teaching. That is, that is grave, uh, right? Because that is really detrimental uh, to, the, uh, to the flock. And uh, it's interesting that uh, when you read about the deeds of the flesh in Galatians chapter five, you know... After immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, and sorcery, you have this: enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. That's all deeds of the flesh, my friends, and that's not standing up for the sake of righteousness. Okay, I, I and that's really very, very important uh, to, to understand. Okay, those are called deeds of the flesh. Uh, Another place is in the pastorals in Titus. In Titus 3, reject in verse 10, reject a factious man or person after a first and second warning. I mean, what is it trying, what is that verse saying? (laughs) I mean, it's pretty, you know, pretty straightforward. Reject a factious person after a first and second warning, knowing that such a person is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. He's really strong on this. Paul, who loves them like a father and a mother, uh, also is a person who, like a father and a mother, don't mess with my children, right? Don't mess with my children. And, uh, you know, very, very important. And then uh, just one last one in Romans. At the end of the letter, he says this. At the very end, we hardly ever read the very very right? Chapter 16 in verses 17 and 18. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Messiah Yeshua, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. So how important it is In other words, what are we hungry for? You know, uh, uh, so important that, uh, you know, that we realize that we are called to to, uh, guard the teaching, guard the gospel, guard the message, guard the the understanding of Scripture. Uh, We we are called uh, to make sure that we're not straying. That 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 uh, you know. We know what's going on with with the sheep, uh, and uh, and encouraging as best as possible uh, to uh, you know stick with the program. Everybody has responsibility before God, and uh, you know, and so on. But I will say this: uh, that uh, you know, it's a rare day. Thankfully, it's a rare day here. Uh, um, you you know that that. We're so thankful that we've never really really had factions and big dissension. We've never really had that. Um, uh, But it's really important that uh, when it comes to the elders that we realize that leaders are called by God. They're called to be overseers. uh, They're called to guard. They're called to guide. And they're called to teach. Now, that doesn't mean they have to do all the teaching, but it means that whatever is taught is under the authority of the elders and of the of the leaders, right? It doesn't mean that they're the only ones who can teach. Lots of people can teach. But the ones who will answer before God for what happens at Beth Messiah congregation is the elders, according to the text. So it's a pretty heavy-duty thing. And so we're all called. We're all sheep. I'm a sheep. We're all sheep. And we all fulfill different roles, right? Uh, and uh, but this is what he's telling them, uh, uh, these elders uh, in uh, in uh, of, of Philip of uh, Ephesus. Okay, uh, very very important. So we always have to be guarding, teaching, leading, overseeing. I, uh, whatever we do should must be for the purposes of edification, uh, of growth of the body. Uh, you know, and and we do that in varieties of ways. You know, varieties and varieties of ways. Uh, and um, another thing is uh, to remember, just since we're in this passage, is that uh, he doesn't call for just Timothy to come. That there's elders, uh, right? Uh, that there is a leadership, right? And uh, And that's really very, very important. Now, in Philippians chapter 1, uh, he he writes, it's one example, in the first verse, you know, to elders and deacons, it says in English, to elders and deacons. Uh, and so uh, you know, you have elders, and then you have shamashim, which are basically assistants that serve at the pleasure of the elders. Okay? But they all uh, have to be of a particular uh, a kind, of, uh, kind of person. And so This, I I think, sheds some light on when you read in 1 Timothy, for example, in chapter 3. It is a trustworthy statement if anyone aspires to the office of overseer. It is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer must be above reproach, right? That means you can't have like skeletons in the closet, right? Uh, The husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, Respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, right? But gentle, uncontentious, free of sordid gain, of the love of money, right? He must be one who manages his household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity, for all the obvious reasons that he states in verse 5. Not a new believer, lest he become conceited and fall into condemnation. Have a good reputation with those outside that he might not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And then deacons likewise. It's almost the same. Uh, and, and so uh, it's not, uh, you know, one of the things that Paul is saying here is it's not uh, uh, just about how much you know, how much education you have, but it's who you are, the kind of person that you are in the Lord. Uh, and uh, and this is what he this is what he says, uh, this is what he says uh, to them, okay? All right, so I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. You know, remember what, um, in, the, in Revelation, Ephesus is one of the congregations. They lost their first love. Something went wrong, something went wrong. The elders, either, you know, maybe the second generation didn't get the teaching here. Maybe they were lackadaisical. Maybe they were so interested or involved in other things that they lost their first love. What is their first love, by the way? Their first love is Yeshua. Okay, it's plain and simple, not just an idea. It's not my first love is preaching the kingdom of God. It's Yeshua. My first love is Yeshua. In our study of the book of Hebrews, if you remember in our chavurah group at, the, at at the very beginning of it, when you read the beginning of Hebrews, the first couple of chapters especially, that um, what keeps people from drifting away, which is what he's talking about, right? Which keeps people from drifting away is always having Yeshua as your main focus. Yeshua, who he was and what he did and who he is today, you know, uh, as the main focus. The main focus. When we are rooted in Yeshua, not other things, but Yeshua himself. You know, I remember an older man said to me many, 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 many years ago, make much of the Messiah. Make much of the Messiah. We make much of everything else. We make much of what a congregation is supposed to be. Or, you know, a relationship of Jews and Gentiles. Or, you know, this, that, or the other thing. The holidays. I don't know. Whatever it might be right? But if we lose our main focus, our main love is, I am a lover of Yeshua, right? That is what keeps us from ultimately drifting in all kinds of directions. That's why uh, you read in the 12th chapter of Hebrews about keeping our eyes focused on Yeshua, okay? On himself, on the person of the Messiah. Not the const not spiritual constructs or theological understandings, but the person of Messiah. Ultimately, that is the cornerstone of all. That is what keeps us anchored. He is the anchor. He is the pioneer. He is our leader. Don't take your eyes off our leader, off our, our chief rabbi, our Chief Shepherd, sometimes you know we've been around the block long enough, we've been believers long enough that you know I know I have the, I have the party line down, you know? I I but may I suggest the best of us can go off on tangents and lose our first love and may we never forget that. That's why I would encourage us all to be regularly in reading the the Brid the new covenant. We should always you know, be able to go back and be reading regularly, whatever regularly is, the, a gospel, uh, you know, as well as the letters and revelation and everything. Else. But the words of the Messiah. Okay, uh, that indeed is where our Anchor is. All right. Uh, and so um, uh, continuing on here, he says, um, when he says now in verse uh, 31, Therefore, beyond the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Okay, each one from the gut, you know, Uh, I uh, and then he says, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. So, you know. In other words, like, you're overwhelmed by everything I'm saying, I know, elders of Ephesus, right? But I commend you to God. In other words, I pray. I pray for you. I, I tell God, you are the called man of Ephesus, you know? I, and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Leaders must always, and all of us, we must be tethered to the word of God. It's great to read other books, but not in place of the scriptures. And we would all say that, you know. And uh, hopefully uh, that we get that, and that the the Bible is the judge of all the other books. The other books do not judge the Bible. Okay, very very important. And that's how we stay built up, you know. And by the way, you know, he says, and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So, we're, you know, he's saying you elders are not different from everybody else. In fact, we're all in this together. And the river always runs both ways. That an elder receives encouragement or a leader or all of us receive encouragement primarily from the interactions that we have with one another. There's nothing more encouraging than... I can tell you right now, what is the most encouraging thing that there is? The most encouraging thing that there is is seeing people walk with God. There's nothing better. There's, there, there is nothing better than just people who are walking with the Lord. That is, and that's for all of us, right? And now he finishes up by once again talking about himself. Uh, but as a role model, he says, I have coveted no man, no one's silver. Gold or clothes. Well, that's a good thing because he was really in the wrong profession. Uh, Let's just say that, okay? Uh, You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. And everything I showed you, see, and everything I showed you, that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Yeshua, that he himself said "It it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is a fascinating, fascinating, this is a little aside. There's no verse that says this. You don't have a little uh, A or B cross-reference to this. This is something that Yeshua said that is not quoted in a gospel. Isn't that interesting? Right? But this is what, by the way, you've heard that, right? Don't forget the good book says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is in there. It's not on a Hallmark card. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? It is more blessed to give than to receive. To serve, remember? The sheep lays down his life, right? It's more blessed to give, to serve, than to see it as, what am I going to get out of this? Any person worth their salt that leads anything never thinks in a healthy way. What am I going to get out of this? Like, oh, people will respect me now. Or I'll be somebody. Uh, You know, uh, or you know, the, the good words that come from it or, you know, whatever, whatever. No, 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 no. It's all about giving, all about serving, all about what can I do for the flock to keep us on the right path and to grow and to walk straight. Very, very important. Okay. And remember that Timothy, he, you know, first Timothy is about basically how you how you set up a congregation and, and how you Second Timothy is, you're discouraged, Timothy. Okay, let's, you know, remember that fire that was kindling in you. Got to refresh that fire that's kindling in you. And, uh, and, and so, uh, Timoth- Paul, Paul needed to speak into Timothy's life after this. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, uh, quite, quite significantly. Okay, all right. Uh, then he says, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. This is a very dramatic moment because he's about he he's going to Jerusalem and everyone is telling him, don't go to Jerusalem because bad things are going to happen. And he didn't know if he was going to see them again. He, I think in the back of his mind, he was, I, I, you know, I'm not going to see these people again. I don't know what what my future is. And so he loved these people dearly. Right. And so when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all and they began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him grieving especially over the word which he had spoken that they should see his face no more and when they and and they were accompanying him to the ship i mean that's really sad i mean that's it's very dramatic that they loved him what how he had poured his life into these people and they recognized it and they loved him for it even with his admonitions and whatever you know he was a pretty straight shooter right Right? But they knew his heart, and they knew that that he that he loved them, and so and they loved him, uh, and uh, and and so we see that he's you know they're grieving, they're sad, and that he is now um, you can just see like on the boat, <laughs> you know, gosh, uh, it could bring a tear to your eye, you know, when you when you really uh, think about think about that, uh, but that is his word uh, to these uh, elders. And it is a word, indeed, uh, to all, all of us, every single one of us. Uh, when you look at this whole chapter of being single-minded, having the focus on Yeshua, the chief shepherd, and to, uh, you know, for the elders to be true under-shepherds, and for all of us to see our, ourselves as sheep being owned by God, you know, that, that uh, we're never called to be lone rangers, We're never called to go off on our own. Going off on our own is a sheep that you got to go after, you know? Uh, and, uh, uh, And so may we all stick with the program through thick and thin and recognize, think about our first love and that that is Yeshua and not other issues and filter everything through that first love. When we do so, we will be that shepherd. You know, one passage I didn't turn to I'll just read. I'll just I won't comment on it, but I'm going to I'll read it anyway. You know, there's a passage here that whenever you read about uh, whenever you read about uh, shepherds, uh, you know, there is a, a passage in uh, Ezekiel chapter 34 uh, about false shepherds. Right. False shepherds of Israel. Uh, and uh, you can read that on your own. Uh, all I will say uh, here. Uh, about that uh, is uh, this. He says in verse 7, Therefore you shepherds hear this word of the Lord as I live, declares the Lord, surely because my flock has been a prey. My flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd. My shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I shall demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep so the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore. But I shall deliver my flock from their mouth that they may not be food for them. And then he goes on to say, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and and seek uh, them out as a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among the scattered sheep. So I will care for my sheep and I will deliver them. And then he says, I'll bring them out from all peoples. I'll feed them in a good pasture and so on. Right. And that's, of course, Yeshua is is the fulfillment of the promise. He is the good shepherd. And so we are all under his, you know, his shepherding, under his shepherding. And uh, may we all, uh, you know, recognize that and, and realize that it's only in him that we really are on the right road. Uh, you know, uh, to reach our destiny, uh, and that's what in, in, in a congregation, that's what we're called to: to stay on that right road, to make disciples, and to look forward to that destiny. Let's pray, Lord uh, God. Uh, may we heed the, the admonition of uh, of Paul here, uh, God. I pray we would heed the admonition and that uh, we would uh, be on guard, and that all of us, not just the elders here, not just the shamashim, or ministry leaders, but all of us, we would be on guard for ourselves and for one another, and that we would keep one another uh, focused on you, Lord, and that we would continue to run that race with endurance, recognizing that our goal is you, our focus is you. And uh, God, we thank you that you've raised up uh, community of Messiah followers, such as Beth Messiah, uh, where that is our focus and where that is our call, and that is what we do. But Lord, give us even more clarity and more understanding as we continue to walk in this way. We pray Messiah's name.